Thank you, Pastor Kurt. Man, there is just so much uh, love going around the room. I love what God is doing in this church. I love seeing some new faces that we haven't seen in a while. Um, I, I love this time of year because it is just like believers. We just feel the joy because we know what this time of year is about. Uh, I just, just love this church. Do you guys mind if I just love bomb you real quick? Yeah. Like, yeah, I just want to shower it right down. Uh, I love how the elders are serving, leading and serving our church. I love how, look what you guys did. I love seeing you guys all line up and put together the bags, um, the kits for the homeless. I love seeing that. That is love and action. I love seeing the youth talk together and pray together at Alpha. I mean, they were deep in it. We couldn't even close that night with our closings thing. They were just in prayer, like letting them at it. I love how our church mothers love on us. I mean, they are so good to us. Bertha, Lenore, there are so many. Patty, that have just been in it with us for a long time and just lead the way with wisdom and love. And last but not least, I mean, I love my husband. <laughs> and this picture was taken by Miss Alexis back there. She'll be, she'll be taking pictures again on Christmas Eve. So come prepared for the photo op, okay? Can you guys guess what I'm talking about today? <laughs> Love! Yes. Um, and last time I spoke, I, um, I talked about, I called it the Alpha Mindset. And we were just about ready to start the Alpha course and how two ingredients make the Alpha course run successfully. Love and hospitality. And I really felt like the Lord was saying, talk a lot on hospitality because hospitality, when you serve others, it is the doorway. It creates a doorway to share the gospel that you otherwise wouldn't have. And I really felt like, you know, we've talked a lot about love, but I knew we were going to do this series on love. And I didn't know who at the time was going to be teaching on it, but I just really felt like we're going to save that for later. And guess who gets to talk about love so i was just really come full circle thank you jesus all glory to god for that hello <laughs> just kidding um but uh before we get started i would love to go ahead and read uh chapter 13 all together it will be up on the screen and yes i'm 43 i do need glasses and then we'll pray you guys go ahead and stand we're going to read this together i love that eddie um had us read in the word last week. I think it's, uh, it's important to stand and read the word together. Chapter 13, the way of love out of the ESV. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. You may be seated and we'll go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Father God, thank you for the clear direction that you gave me weeks ago. May I stay true to it. Thank you for the examples of faith and love that are um, in the book of Acts that we see in the early church. They, 
they acted in boldness and they acted in faith, God, and thank you that we have those examples to glean from. Father God, this is a common uh, passage, and I pray that you um, pour over us a freshness and a revelation with these verses in our hearts. And Father God, I ask that you speak to each person so that they hear what they need to hear for themselves today. We rebuke any hindrances to receiving the word, God. And we just give this time and the service and the speaking of the word to you. It is yours. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as you know, we are doing this series called Healthy Spirit-Led Church. And this is the second to the last sermon in this message. Kurt's going to come up next week and he's going to wrap it all up for us. I'm sure he'll do a bit of a recap. But as you know, uh, we've been doing 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And... um, Chapter 12 is about the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about that. Each person is, uh, the Holy Spirit gives us a gift and that we are one church body and there are many parts and no gift or no part is more important than other, but we all come together and we function as a whole church the way that he intended. And uh, chapter 13 is on love. We're going to go through verse 8 today. Uh, Pastor Kurt already talked a bit about prophecy and tongues when he talked about those particular spiritual gifts, so we won't be doing that, but then we're going to finish up with chapter 14, and this is all about what orderly worship looks like in the church. So as you know, context is, I'm just going to hold this, context is absolutely everything, right? When we see these verses, love is patient, love is kind, where do you recognize them from? That's right, weddings. Probably, who raised your hand if you said these verses at your weddings? I think John and I did. I think that they were in our vows. But context is everything. Chapter 13 comes after chapter 12, which is all about the spiritual gifts in the church. And then Paul is connecting his instruction on the spiritual gifts. And then he is saying, okay, this is how we exercise them. This is more about what love looks like in the church. I don't know if the Butterfields are here today, but Jackie uh, made this replica of our church and gifted it to Pastor Kurt, and it's in the other room. But chapter 13, love is really more of a picture of what love looks like in the church. And context is everything. Unfortunately, with the English language, the word love, we don't have too many words for it. But in the Greek, Greek language, there are four different words for love. And the first word uh, for love, or just one of them, is phileo. And this is where we see brotherly love. And we, we show care, compassion, uh, respect for one another. We have formed deep connections with this kind of love. The next kind of love is the eros love. And this is where scripture has, this is where we have central romantic love restricted for a man and a wife. And the third kind of love, and I pray I'm saying this Greek word right, is storhe. And this is the familial kind of love. It's the most natural kind of love. It's mostly seen between a parent and a child. And then finally, agape love. And this is perfect, unconditional, divine love that comes from the Father. And it only can come from God. So when we read chapter 13, this is the kind of love that Paul is referring to. It is this agape kind of love. So I don't know, I, I don't think I could get out of here alive if I didn't cover some foundational truths about love. This is not a topical sermon on love. There are literally 550 verses on love in the ESV Bible. And believe me, in preparation, my mind was, oh, I could talk about that. I could talk about that. I could talk about that. I'd be up here for two weeks. 
because uh, there's so much to say about love. This is not a topical sermon on love or a message on love, but I do think it's important to go over some of the foundational truths of love. And Diego, I don't think that you knew we were talking about this today, but what you were saying at the beginning of the service was just so spot on. And so that is the Holy Spirit speaking through you, my friend, an utterance of knowledge and wisdom. Okay, so number one, God is love. That is a foundational truth. And we, these are up here for me to read. Uh, you guys can follow along. We see this in 1 John um, 4, 8. Uh, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Am I reading the right first one? Yeah. Uh, anyone who does not lo- does not love does not know God because God is love. And, we, and then verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected, is love perfected. Number two, the second foundational truth is God's love, God loves us. And we see this in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We, all, we also see this in Romans 5.8. But God showed his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The third foundational truth that is essential to your faith. You should know these truths like you and expect these truths like you expect the sun to rise and fall. We should have these things in our heart, wake up with them in the morning. Um, The third one is, um, sorry, God's love is in us. This is too hard for me to read out of my Bible with glasses. I tried. Um, Okay, uh, we, John 4, 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. And Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts so through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And the next foundational truth about love is that because God created us to love, he knows we can handle his commandment to love. We've got this. If he commands it, he knows we can do it. This is out of Matthew 22, 36 through 39. Teacher, which is, the, uh, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We also see this truth in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The next foundational truth, love is the evidence of keeping God's commandments, and it is the gift of keeping God's commandments. John 14, 21 through 23, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. And there are probably more foundational truths about love, but this is an amazing one. Love comes with a helper because it ain't easy. God knows it's not always easy to love him and to love others. So he's given us a helper, his Holy Spirit to help us and to anoint us to love. We see this in Ezekiel 36, 27, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God gave us a spirit of fear, not of fear, but of power and love 
and self-control. So to recap, God is love. God loves us. His love is in us. We are commanded to love, so we can, uh, commanded to love him and to love others. We can love God and others, and we get help from God when loving gets hard. And Kurt must have known too. I had a verse in uh, Psalm 63. The psalmist said, your love, Lord, is better than life. 63.3, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. We hear these verses a lot, all of the time, but this agape love, this supernatural divine love from God is radical. And I love this word radical because we associate it with the spiritual gifts, right? We think this prophecy and speaking in tongues and these spiritual gifts are just kind of like, you know, they're hard, they're mysterious. But this love from God is radical, just as radical. Um, let's look at verses four um, through seven in 1 Corinthians 13 again. They're up on the screen. This is my point number one. Love is a radical gift. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This love is Jesus. If love comes from God, and it does, and love, and Jesus is love, and he is, then this list is Jesus. And this list of love is poured into our hearts, and it is manifested to us. Let's look at this verse again in uh, 1 John 14, or John 14. Uh, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not as scary, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. This is so radical. When we express agape love, it is just as radical as prophesying or speaking in tongues or laying hands on and healing. Actually, because love is the power behind the gift. That's what makes this so radical. Like when you, when you show patience to your young children at home, when you show kindness, I heard a story up in the prayer room today about this family that is going to have to have agape love to get through what they're going to go through. I knew I was going to cry. This little boy has been neglected with love, and this another family is going to take, them, take him in along with four other kids. This family is going to have to have agape love from Jesus to get through. And that's powerful because they can with the power of this radical love. Or perhaps, you know, you're really good at something. Like you're super talented, you're the boss man, you're a leader, or perhaps like you're this professional Christian. You've gone on 20 mission trips, you donate to five charities a month, you have all of the gifts. Like you've served in every ministry. Like, but if you choose to not boast about it and walk in humility and selflessness, where does that come from? That's a radical gift that God has manifested himself unto you so that you do not boast, but instead you walk in humility. That is power. When you choose to endure through any trial, 
especially marriage when it gets tough or parenting when it gets tough, or you're trying to build a building or rebuild a church, when you can endure through this process, that is agape love from the Father. It is a radical gift. And we must have faith that when God's love and God intervenes in our life, that it is for good. We can get through it. So to close this point, number one, agape love is a radical manifestation and fruit of the Holy Spirit. And he will help you love others in all of the daily interactions and tasks of life. And he will help you endure and triumph through what seems impossible. Okay, point number two, um, love comes first, then the fruitfulness of gifts. We're going to see this in one through three, chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Commentaries say about this passage that, you know, because Paul doesn't list all of the spiritual gifts here, but maybe they had a bit of a fascination with some of the gifts, like prophesying and speaking in tongues. He also lists, lists, uh, lists uh, faith and giving, but it looks at his commentaries say that they maybe they're exercising them not with a lot of restraint. There weren't very many boundaries. And so that's why he's instructing them on this love. It does not matter what spiritual gift that you have or the many gifts that you have. If you are not exercising them in love, you have nothing and you gain nothing. And this is the part of the mystery of love. When he talks about gaining nothing or having nothing, there is some uh, eternal value in heaven when we exercise our gifts. Because we see people who might, I, I don't know if I have a ton of experience with this seeing it, but maybe you do, where we see people exercising their spiritual gifts and you can tell that there's no love there. It's not done gently, it's without wisdom, it's not kind, it's self-seeking, but they are also very gifted. And you're like, ah, how does this work? Well, you know, maybe the person that they are blessing is receiving the blessing, but they may not be receiving the blessing. There is some eternal value in heaven when it says gain nothing and having nothing, that we have to have a heart of love to exercise our, to, to, to exercise our gifts and to see fruit. So I, I have a bit of a, a personal story. I did not grow up in a charismatic church. I did not see speaking in tongues in action. I did see it once when I was a little girl. And it caused a lot of curiosity with speaking in tongues. What's that about? That didn't seem, I didn't really know about it. It sent me on a 20 year journey of what is praying, what is uh, speaking in tongues like. I desired the gift. I went to a conference once, uh, I can't remember her name, famous lady. And at the end of this uh, conference, they had wanted baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you want the gift of speaking in tongues, raise your hand. And I think I do. And I didn't get it. And I was like, then it sent me on like, well, why not? And what is this? And I prayed for years and years and years and years about it. And finally, four years ago, I was just praying and I heard this, the Lord say, think of it as a prayer language. And you speak to the Father. And of course I had read about it and been praying about it and trying to learn about it. And I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And I, just, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just say, Abba. So I just said, Abba in my prayer. And I just said, Abba, 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 back and forth. And you know, the speaking in tongues is kind of like different syllables. 
putting different syllables together. And, and so I just said ah back and forth. And then I was like, ba ah, ah, ba. And then I, couple, I just practiced a couple other syllables and that's all that it was. But I felt like that might be it. I think I have the gift of tongues. I'm going to pray in the spirit. And as I was praying that, I was thinking of about 20, 30 people. And it was this quickness that I could intercede for others. And the Lord showed me that the purpose of praying in a prayer language is to intercede for others. And it does build you up. I felt connected. So then year, years go by and I feel like the Lord has given me a couple more syllables here and there. And no, you're not going to see me up here doing that. I will pray in a prayer group and I will speak quietly in my prayer language and I will be, if you see me, I am interceding for people. I think you have to learn the purpose of these gifts. And so I'm, I'm trying to dispel a little bit of mystery with speaking in tongues and a little bit of fear that is between you and God. And you just open up your mouth in faith. You step out in faith. And if you desire that, just begin to speak. So that's my, that's my uh, story with tongues. It did once sound like a clanging gong though because I did not yet understand it. And I think that that's why we have to be gentle about using our gifts because people in the room may not understand what's going on with the gift. We have to be gentle. I know I did almost call this sermon um, the sound of love and um, because of the clanging symbol, right? When each one of us uses our spiritual gift, let's say one of you, uh, you have the, you could utter knowledge, you may sound like a trumpet. Another is uh, laying hands and healing, and you sound like a piano. And um, another is using their gift, and they sound like a bass guitar. And when we all use our gifts in love, it sounds like a symphony. That's what it should sound like. We can feel the power in the room when we hear this symphonic sound. Each one of us using our gifts in love. And we do know what it sounds like when something is not being used in love, and it does hurt our heart and it should point to the father. Um, but when someone is exercising their gifts at, uh, without love, we, as you read about in, in verse one, it does sound like that clinging simple. So love must come first. If you want to see fruitfulness of your gifts and how do we get love continuously so that we can pour it out and we are acting in the right heart posture, we must abide in Christ. We must abide in Christ as he is the light of the world. We must abide in Christ continually. When we, we are with the Father, we become like the Father and we get the heart of the Father and we don't have to walk about worried that we're not using our gifts in love. If you're spending time with the Father, you can assure that you becoming more like him. Get with the Father, abide in Christ. First John 2.10 says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumble. So that title, The Sound of Love, that I threw out, actually I threw it out last week. I was on a run. Thank you, Jesus. I'm running again. Thank you, Jesus. I know that doesn't mean much to you, but to me it's everything. Um, as I'm running, that's why I love running, uh, I get these downloads from God. I feel like just little pieces of clarity in my heart. And the, the, he gave me the title for this sermon and the third point. And it is, A Servant's Heart Does Wonders. And this is going to be a bit of a play on words, but we're going to turn to Acts 6. I'll go ahead and read this, for you, read this for us. There were seven chosen to serve. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. 
Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. I knew right away that when the Lord led me to this passage, well, actually about five weeks ago, uh, I knew exactly why he led me to this passage. Because Stephen here, and there are many others in the Bible, but Stephen is an example or a picture of what love looks like in the church. It's an example of how the gifts operate in the church. And um, when we look at these verses, they tell us that, number one, the early church was just getting started. They're growing just like us. They're building their church just like us. And a need arose. And yes, the need did arise via a complaint, which often happens in churches because we're busy and things are needed, but you know, energy goes here. And so a need, a need arose though. And it was the need, they did have a ministry set up. It was the ministry of distribution where they were um, handing out things to people in need. And the widows were among them, but they were being neglected in this distribution. And so the Hellenists were saying, hey, what about our widows? We need our widows to be served. And so the leaders of the church, the disciples come together and they try to find a solution to uh, fix the problem. And they're looking for seven men. And they had to be what? Full of good repute, full of the spirit, and full of wisdom. These are really important. And so Stephen, he's already there. And uh, Philip, we know more, we'll learn more about, we do know more about Philip in scripture, but the other five men we don't hear about again in scripture. But um, Stephen, we also know that he was a man full of faith. So these seven men, they get to serving tables, right? And they're faithful and they are committed. And no, they may not be wanting to serve tables. Maybe that's not Maybe, maybe Stephen's like, because uh, it says he's full of wisdom. Maybe he wants to be using his gift and uttering wisdom and knowledge. Uh, and he's being asked to serve tables. Maybe he's thinking this is not so glamorous, but he's going to serve anyways. And so then look at this verse. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. In his serving, God uses him and does signs and wonders. This should be an example for us. We get into our places, our work here in your families, in our serving, when you have this servant's heart, which possibly is a test from the Lord. Hey, uh, how about you do this? Are you gonna do this? And when he sees that you have a heart of the Father, then he's gonna bless you and manifest himself unto you so that you can do these signs and wonders. Now, what what are these signs and wonders? We don't know. We, I mean when he was serving the widows. We do know that Stephen later on goes up and he delivers this speech of all speeches. In fact, this section is called Stephen's speech. And he stands up and he delivers a total recount of Old Testament history. And he's also kind of rebuking them. He's saying, hey, you guys are a stiff necked people and you have resisted the Holy Spirit. So he was saying truth in love, but it was truthful. And so that is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit to be able to deliver that. I mean, standing up here, this took me a month to prepare. And Stephen just recounting the whole Old Testament history, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
he does go on to get stoned, and yes, he's martyred, uh, and a great persecution rises up in the church, but the point is, <laughs> uh, when we abide in Christ, who is the servant of all, we become, uh, we have a heart to serve, and we want to serve others, and in our serving, God is going to use you, and um, to, to, to use your gift. Right, we have um, like several ministries here at Redeem Church, and I think of the worship team. Um, you guys did an amazing job today, um, just picking it up without Sue. She was here and then she left. Right, um, I think of Kevin. He's not here today, or anyone on the team. They're serving in ministry, right? And they get to know their other the other people that they're serving with. And you know, maybe Kevin is talking to Chris, and Chris is like, "Yeah, bro, like I got this going on and that and." Like I said, bro. <laughs> uh, um, and so then, then Kevin, in his serving, maybe he has the gift of uttering knowledge. He can say, hey, you know, I, I think the Lord might be saying this. Um, he's in my heart. I feel this for you in, in this. And then in that moment, that could be the avenue that God uses to deliver healing and, and deliverance and, and freedom for Chris. Or, so you see how the places where we serve can be niches of power? Right? Think of the admin team. Thank you, Dana and Amanda. Think of the admin team. They are behind the scenes. Uh, Kurt, they see all of the private needs. And we don't get to see that, but they have the position to go and activate people to help those people. I know this person has the gift of service or hospitality. You go help this. It's like these are places of power. They're, 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 they seem like basic stuff, but they're not because the world does not love with agape love. The world, okay, the world love. There is, there's love going around the world. That is true. But if the world does not know Christ, if you do not know Christ, they do not have access to this agape love. They will. We're praying for that. We hope for that. But if you, powered by the Holy Spirit, you have agape love, it's different than the phileo love. So it's these places, this is not to take lightly. So to wrap up point number three, a servant's heart does wonders. Um, I think of um, this ministry that was talked about in Acts 6. So I want to um, use this opportunity to recognize a ministry at our church that has been right under our noses all along. And this is the food ministry team. And these women have helped out at the men's breakfast and Alpha. And so um, I just want to say uh, thank you on behalf of Redeem. I want to say thank you for your service. We know that when you come and buy the food, you prepare the food, you serve the food, you're here early, that you are doing this in, in love. And so we just want to say thank you. I have some flowers for up here, here for you that Diego's going to pass out to each person. So can we just like uh, recognize and honor our, our food ministry team? Uh, I, did, I can't claim this line, but oftentimes... Um, if you're feeling anemic in the gifts, you might be anemic in love. And if you're anemic in love, you might not be abiding with the Father as like you should. If you're a person that wants to be exercising your gifts, like, Lord, I know my gift. I want to be able to use it. And you're not seeing um, fruit in that. Step back and get to what God wants most of all, which is for you to abide in him and to experience his love and to love him back. 
So in closing, I just want you to be encouraged that first of all, love is a radical gift. It is just as radical as these other gifts that we have been talking about. It is the greatest power of all. Two, love must come first for fruitfulness of the gifts. It just needs to be, uh, you don't have to try very hard when it's in your heart. It just flows out naturally. And I'm, we're so blessed to be in a church that we feel loved by one another. I think we feel the love in this room and, and this love in this, in this church. And number three, serving others in love. These are places of power. Signs and wonders will follow. And this is not a line that I can claim either, but don't follow the flash, follow the fruit. Right? Don't follow the flash, follow the fruit. When you see people, joy, peace, love, kindness, gentleness, self-control, you know, follow that and get some of that. Be around that. Um, John is, my husband's going to come up and um, do communion, but um, I'll just pray. Um, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that your love is just the most powerful thing. And I thank you that you have poured that into our hearts and poured that into our, in our spirits and that we can love others and that we can truly um, bring the light, your light into the world. May you empower us all to spend more time with you and to pour out agape love on to others so that your kingdom may come. In Jesus name. Amen.